They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com? Good to be back with you. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What's up, Johnny Meats? What's happening, Joe? Not much, brother. Good to talk to you as always. Nice to be back on. You know, it's two years and two days since our inaugural podcast. Episode one was June 13th, 2014. Two years and two days, my friend. Wow. Can't believe it's gone this long. We've done what? Close to sixty podcasts already? Yeah, we're getting near number sixty. What do you mean you yeah, can't man. what do you mean you can't believe it's been it's gone on this long? Yeah, I went back I and listened. I went back and listened to the first maybe five minutes of episode one just about an hour ago. And we both right. said we were gonna be rich. Yeah. And then we oh, went well. into and then we went into ripping the fills and saying that the glory days were over. Nice. Well, I mean, we weren't wrong with that one. Yeah. Really. Amen, brother. Prognosticators. Uh, appreciate all the love <laughs> and support on uh, Twitter, at Love Podcast. Again, this is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Our last episode, most clicks of any episode in Brotherly Love Podcast history. So thank you for all the love and support out there. We've got a great podcast planned for you. Great episode here tonight. Uh, the legendary Gordy Howe passes away. Mr. Hockey has left us. We'll uh, discuss his legacy, talk a little bit about Mr. Hockey, and uh, we'll be joined by Jerry Truppiano, who's a former voice of the Houston Arrows from their WHA days. He saw Gordy Howe play firsthand with Mark and Marty Howe as two sons, helping them to a couple of championships in the mid-70s. So, very special guest there. Uh, we'll also talk about the Stanley Cup being hoisted by the hated Pittsburgh Penguins. The NBA championship might be lifted tomorrow and more, way more than that, my friends, on the Brotherly Love Podcast. But first... Taylor, calling for the football, gets the snap. Back he goes, he pops, and he's sacked! He's sacked! Roger Cox dumps it back at the 22. Rich Incognito just got whipped at the line of scrimmage by Fletcher Cox. Slips around him to the right side and on his way to Tyrod Taylor for the first sack of the ball game. Fletcher Cox cannot be bullied. Doesn't. Steps up. He's looking. He's hit. They finally got him back at the 18. Yes, sir. Give this to Fletcher Cox. Yes, sir. And he just beats him. Brings straight back. He's looking. He is hit. And down he goes. This time it is Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox has breezed back at the 40 yard line. First down. Play action. Green blows up. He fumbles the football as he's hit. He lost at the Eagles Island. Hit by Fletcher Cox. His third of the game. There's that man again. And with that, Fletcher Cox got paid, my friend. Johnny Mita, big number yeah. 91, is uh, one rich man. A couple days ago, Eagles announcing the major contract extension for their most prominent and impactful defensive player. Your thoughts? Sigh of relief. Um, <laughs> You knew at some point this this had to get done. You were wondering if the Eagles were going to spend that $100 million now that the most held defensive tackles in the, in the NFL get now. So 
you know, $63 million in guaranteed money, pretty much $26 million in a signing bonus right off the bat. This guy, now it's time that he's got this security, so to speak. It's time for him to just step up and be that wrecking ball defensive talent that we think he is. And I think due to the fact that the Eagles are now going back to a 4-3 system, which kind of fits his his skill set a little better than being a three-technique D-tackle in the 34, I think there's nothing but, but big things that come out of Fletcher Cox. And this deal got done. And listen, this deal was made possible due to the fact that, you know, let's not sugarcoat it here. The fact that the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz and he's on a, a low-budget deal for the next you know, four years of his career. I mean, Sam Bradford's making big money this year, but he'll probably be going on. So this is kind of what opened the door to this getting done. And, uh, you know, Harry Roseman got it done. So I'm a happy Eagles fan. I think this guy's one of the best defensive players in all of football. Some of the clips that you were playing, I remember that Buffalo game. He just destroyed Richie Cognito, and I can't stand him because he's just a terrible human being. But even even Rex Ryan gave Fletcher Cox big praise, and he's coached some of the best defensive players of all time. And he said, you know, at 91, he's a great player. So I love it. Love the deal, baby. Love the deal. The 12th overall pick in 2012 out of Mississippi State, nine and a half sacks last year, two fumble recoveries, um, you know, a a force on the defensive line, his his run game ability as far as stopping the run, blowing up plays. It's not always about the sacks. Sometimes it's about those those impact plays, those negative plays for the opposing team's offense, and Fletcher Cox brings that on a uh, weekly basis for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Got to give credit to that audio there, 94WIP and PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Don't want them to kill us. But uh, they get it done. You mentioned the $63 million guaranteed. Now the Eagles, Johnny Mita, have handed out over $280 million in guaranteed money since the calendar year, January 1st. The next closest team, the Giants, and the Eagles basically double them up, and they're $140 million plus guaranteed. So they're taking care of their own, certainly. Great point by you. Wentz will not make a lot of money the next few years. Bradford most likely uh, kind of a one-year situation for him while he paves the way for the number two, uh, the number two overall pick in Carson Wentz. Uh, and a great point by you as well, Jim Schwartz, and his sort of wide nine-ish defensive system. Remember, Indomica Sue in Detroit had his best year under Schwartz, who also coached, uh, coached the Bills. Marcel Darius, one of the highest-paid defensive linemen in that Fletcher Cox range as far as impact and now salary. And, and look, Fletcher Cox will be 29 in the 2020 season. 2020 season, he'll be 29. And after that, who knows really? But the Eagles control him now in his prime. Uh, a few years from now, he'll be making almost a million dollars a week. But the first two years of the deal, his salary cap hit is not that um, It's not that large at all. It's, it's very manageable. Uh, and so we'll see. After the next five years, will they be able to move on from Fletcher Cox, restructure the deal? There wouldn't be any dead cap money should they move on after five seasons. And so it's very front-loaded. You talked about the signing bonus. Nice job by the Eagles to get it done. You want your best player on defense to be happy when training camp rolls around. He's happy. He got paid. And Fletcher Cox now is going to be an Eagle, we hope, for a very long time. Well said, buddy. Well said. All right, we will uh, take a timeout here on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com. And when we return, 
We'll talk some hockey. Stanley Cup final over. Penguins are the champs. But first, Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe has passed away. We'll comment on his legacy and have a whole lot more after this on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. We are back on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Joe Donald John Mita here with you. Again, follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Jerry Truppiano to join us in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's uh, reminisce a little bit. Mr. Hockey Gordy Howe passing away on June 10th at the age of 88. We had Muhammad Ali leaving this great planet just over a week ago. Our last podcast, we kind of had a tribute to Cassius Clay, one of the greats of all time in the boxing ring, and Muhammad Ali, such a legendary character. Um, what a what a personality. What a person from stature and what he meant politically and, and to society and Muhammad Ali. And now, really sort of the same thing in Gordie Howe, John Mita. Mr. Hockey passing away on June 10th. His funeral services today. One of the great ambassadors of the sport of hockey. One of the greatest hockey players ever. Uh, 23-time NHL All-Star. 1,850 career points. Obviously a Hall of Famer. Four-time Stanley Cup champion. Won two Avco Cups in Houston in his 40s after a brief retirement from the NHL. He went back to play in the WHA. Played with his two sons, Mark and Marty, in Houston. We'll have more on that in just a couple of minutes when our guest Jerry Truppiano joins us. Uh, Six-time MVP in the NHL, the Hart Trophy. Six-time scoring champion, Wayne Gretzky, who many consider the greatest player ever, said he considers Gordie Howe the greatest player of all time. So, um, you know, obviously a tough loss for the hockey community, John. I mean, I had a chance to meet Gordie Howe during the 2010-2011 season. He came out to a game in Houston. He dropped the puck. He signed autographs for fans for the game. Um, just so gracious with his time. And then after the game, he came down to the Arrows locker room. I think he even went in pregame. But after the game, he went by. And, and if you want to talk about seeing grown men, you know, in awe. I mean, a lot of these players, some of them 22, 23, some of them 20. But they all know Gordie Howe. And the reaction I saw from the coaches, the staff, the players, every guy as they were getting their gear off and you know showering up or going to the gym after the game, they all went out of their way to find Mr. Hockey, to meet him, to shake his hand, to get an autograph. He was so personable that I don't even think that word does it justice. Um, you know, it, just the hours he spent there. And this is just five years ago, so he's in his 80s at this point. And the time he spent there and the brief conversation I had with him, he was engaging. It was like he genuinely cared that I was talking to him. It wasn't some big egoed old-timer. I mean, Gordy Howe was telling me about the radio guy from his days and how the radio, you know, the defenseman would drive the bus. I mean, old-time hockey stories in those four or five minutes I spent with him. And just having that chance to get a photo with him and have him sign a couple of things was uh, certainly one of the more magical moments I've had uh, in this industry, in the, in the professional hockey industry. 
his intimidating presence on the ice and his grace off the ice made Gordie Howe the legend that he is today. And in my mind, the National Hockey League should retire as number nine across the league, plain and simple. Rest in peace, Mr. Hockey. Yeah, man. That's unbelievable. And just to have stories like that, I mean, I'm sure that was a great night for you. And this guy was exceptional. I heard a stat the other day that he played in five decades as a professional athlete. Now think about that. Five decades. 50 years grinding it out on the ice. Which, I mean, we all know how physical hockey is. I mean, that's just a tremendous accomplishment. Like 20, 20 times he was like in the top 10 in scoring. I mean, his resume is, is prolific as far as you know, great players of all time go. And I think you kind of made a point to just sharing those stories about what a great ambassador and a guy off the ice he was. Every story you hear, people just talk about how great the guy was. I mean, my only Gordy Howe story, I never had the op- unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but I actually did have tickets to the Flyers Red Wings game when they retired his son Mark Howe's jersey. And, you know, Gordy walked out with him, and it was just, and Ray Dinger, you know, one of the great sports writers in Philly for the Eagles, he told a great story about Gordy Howe, and you'll love this, Joe. This is a great tidbit. Comes from Ray Dinger. Basically, they're practicing over in Voorhees at one of the old ranks, and Gordy's with Mark Howe's son, Trevor, I think his name is, his grandson, and all the women that were at, at the rink that day were all nervous. So, like, oh, my God, uh, who's this old man skating with this little guy? We hope he doesn't fall. And Ray Denzer, obviously, he knows who Gordy Howe is. He's just in there laughing because he's like, uh, that's Gordy Howe. I think he's going to be all right. I think he knows how to skate. But it's just another you know, tremendous loss for the sports world in general. Um, the guy was just, just truly an amazing player. And all of his accomplishments off the ice are great as well. So. Well, speaking of Mr. Hockey, a guy that uh, saw him firsthand in some of his glory days down in Houston, Jerry Truppiano joins us, a former voice of the Houston Arrows in their WHA days, longtime national sportscaster. He's worked in Major League Baseball, now doing some work in college football, as well as for MLB Radio, voice of the Astros, voice of the Red Sox. I mean, the, the resume is certainly impressive, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Glad to do it. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Uh, what was your reaction to the news that Gordie Howard passed away, Jerry? It was, uh, you know, I, I, from time to time I hear from Mark and Marty, his sons, and, and uh, I know that a year ago, you know, they were expecting him to pass, and then they went to, and had the uh, stem cell experimental treatments going, and Gordy really rallied, and it sounded like things were on, on the upswing, even though he had, he had been battling Alzheimer's as well. But when I got the call uh, Friday morning, uh, last Friday morning, uh, certainly, it was it was uh, a, a sad call to receive, and but it, it brought back a lot of warm memories and a lot of great memories from sincerely the most the most humble superstar I've ever been around. Uh, I had pleasure to meet Muhammad Ali years ago. He's, he's without a doubt the most impressive athlete physically I've ever come across. But Gordy, uh, as as a superstar, certainly the most humble and down to earth individual you you could ever imagine meeting as a superstar. Jerry, let me ask you about his dominance. Uh, You you saw him in his mid-40s. He had retired from the NHL, came back to play with Mark and Marty down in Houston. Uh, Just the the atmosphere, what he brought to the table, 
uh, on and off the ice for that community, winning back-to-back Avco Cups. What was all that like? It, it was. It was a lot. I would imagine like watching uh, Rembrandt or go to work or, or Mozart, uh, just uh, somebody at the top of their field. He didn't have the hardest shot. He wasn't. He wasn't Bobby Hull with a slap shot. He wasn't Bobby Orr skating. Uh, but he he was the total package when you think about it, as far as his skating ability, his awareness on the ice, like in most recent times of Wayne Gretzky, uh, he uh, had great anticipation. He was as tough as nails. He uh, was durable. It, it, it was just, it was just a pleasure to watch him play the game because he, he seemed to be playing it at a different level than, than uh, those around him. As far as Gordy goes, can you compare him to anybody? And I mean, we do comparisons all the time, but are there any players that you see today kind of re- resemble what Gordy Howe brought in night in and night out? Well, I, I, I mean, again, pick somebody like a Joe Thornton who's a tremendous passer. Gordy was a tremendous passer. Somebody with uh, awareness on the ice and anticipation, you know, go, go back to, to Wayne Gretzky and, and – you know, Gordy was unique. I, I never saw him in a fight in his WHA days, but I did see him, you know, take people to uh, to task if needed. Uh, he, he was able to do everything on the ice. But I, I don't think there's anybody in, in the game today that has uh, that, that total, that total uh, ability uh, as a hockey player, the ability to score, pass, fight, uh, anticipation, kill penalties, worth the point on the power play. He, he, he was he was just something unique as a player. Longtime national sportscaster Jerry Truppiano joins us here on the Brotherly Love podcast on SoundCloud.com. Jerry, what was Mr. Hockey like away from the rink? Well, I, my favorite story is I used to sit with Gordy a lot. He worked a crossword puzzle all the time. We were we were seated at an airport in uh, Minneapolis waiting for a flight, and uh, he was working on a crossword puzzle, and uh, I'm sitting next to him. And this woman walks up to him, and she says, and she was an elderly lady. She says, excuse me, Mr. Howe. And he looks up, and she's wearing a cloth coat, and she pulls the lapel of her coat up. It's got a maple leaf pin on it. She says, I'm a Canadian. I just want to say thank you, and God bless you. And she walked away. And just, just, the, <laughs> just that little scene there showed how much he meant to people off the ice as well as on the ice, that how, how people... Uh, respected him. We had another flight. One of the few charters we took had to stop in uh, Saskatoon in the middle of February with the ice and snow everywhere for, for refueling. And for some reason, we had to have the uh, hockey equipment taken off out of a compartment to refuel the plane. Well, it, it's probably sub-zero temperatures, snow falling. Our equipment manager is out there pulling uh, bags off the plane. And who goes out there to help him? Forty Howe. That's just the kind of guy that he was. And he, he uh, I learned this story later that he took pride in his autograph. He once chastised a, a younger player who hurriedly signed an autograph and handed it to a kid and walked away. And Gordy said, no, no, you respect the fans. They want your autograph. You make sure it's legible and, and you do it in, in a polite manner. And he always signed his autographs, Gordon Howe, and it was perfect penmanship. Uh, he, he took pride in that, and that just shows you the kind of guy he he was. He he cared about people, cared about how people saw him in the game of hockey, 
And I, I just can't say enough. I mean, I could go on for hours telling you stories about the guy. He is, <laughs> I spent four years with him, and, and I'll tell you what, I cherish every minute I had around him. That's a great antidote because um, with the time he came to Houston uh, when I was down there to drop the puck and greet fans and, and those sorts of things, um, and he met the team afterwards, you know, the two things he signed for me, a photo and a puck, those autographs are clear as day. And at that point, he's in his 80s. Uh, really good yeah. stuff. Jerry Truppiano joining us here on SoundCloud.com. And, and one more story about uh, Gordy and, and autographs. So we're playing a game in Ottawa in the old building, and he blocks a shot in the first period and breaks his foot. So they send him to the hospital for x-rays. He comes back, and at the, at the beginning of the third period, he's standing at one end of the rink watching the action, and people see it's Gordy Howe down there. They line up around the, uh, the circumference of the rink, and he stayed there on, on his feet, one broken foot, and signed autographs for every fan that came to him. Wow. Can you share with us something that maybe the average fan, something we don't know about Cordy Howe that is not written about him or anything that you can remember that, that would be something interesting that people don't know about, about him personally? Oh, the great sense of humor that he had. That uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you two quick stories, one about his sense of humor and one about the respect people in the game have uh, for Gordy. The sense of humor, I told you the story about him going out to help the equipment manager to unload the plane in the middle of February in Saskatoon with snow everywhere. He gets on the plane and he, and he sits down next to me and he says, Troop, you know, they, they've got a great snow removal system here. <laughs> I says, yeah, well, they must. He says, yeah, it's called August. <laughs> he, he had a great sense of humor. We were in a playoff series against Minnesota. I'm sure everybody in the listening audience and you guys have seen the classic film Slapshot and, and know of the character Ogie Oglethorpe. Yeah. That was, he was based on a guy named Bill Goldthorpe who uh, played in that series for Minnesota and was involved in a bench-clearing brawl earlier tonight. Well, we were supposed to charter out on the same plane. Uh, the WHA was big on saving money. We were supposed to charter out for the, the return to Houston for the continuation of the uh, playoff series. And since the brawl was so bad, by the way, it was started by Gordy uh, when he uh, took his stick and uh, hit uh, Mike Shaky Walton across the nose. And uh, it took us 10 replays. They, pen they penalized uh, John Scheller and put him in the penalty box. It was Gordy who... <laughs> It with the stick. It took us ten replays to look at it to determine that it was Gordy. But uh, as, as we're sitting in the airport waiting for a second plane uh, for the arrows to go back to Houston, Goldthorpe and a guy named Gordon Gallant, who is another uh, tough guy, not not big on hockey skills, are, are walking by, and I'm sitting with Gordy and Colleen Howe, and uh, Goldthorpe starts chirping and tries to start a fight with Gordy uh, in the airport. And Gordy, you know, just looks up from his seat. And, and to show you the respect people have for him, Gallant, who was, again, a very limited hockey player as far as skills, but a tough guy, you know, got the Goldthorpe out of there knowing that it wouldn't be proper, you know, to, to start a fight with uh, uh, a legend right then and there. So uh, even even the borderline players knew uh, enough to uh, uh, and have had enough respect for Gordy even in, in those days. Jerry Truppiano, our guest on SoundCloud.com here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Jerry, just want to switch gears with you real quickly because you've done so much in your long career. And again, we really appreciate the time here tonight. Um, having worked in so many markets, calling various sports, have you fulfilled your dream job? And and if not, what would your dream job in, in sportscasting be? 
Well, I always wanted to do Major League Baseball, and I was lucky enough to do it at the network level with, with CBS Radio. But my, my first uh, job in baseball was with the Houston Astros on radio and TV. Then we went to Montreal on radio. Then we went to Boston on uh, on uh, radio. And uh, baseball would be my dream job. And to tell you how it comes full circle, when I was a kid at St. Louis University in, in St. Louis, uh, I got a job as a producer at KMOX Radio in St. Louis, one of the great radio stations in the country. And for some reason, Jack Buck, uh, the late great Jack Buck, took a liking to me. And uh, back in the day when uh, the media was not so intense and, and there were empty booths around in different ballparks or what have you, Jack would get me into a, into a booth uh, to practice football when the football Cardinals were home or in a baseball booth when the uh, Cardinal baseball team was, was home. And Dan Kelly, uh, another uh, mentor of mine, the, the greatest hockey announcer I think who ever lived, uh, got me into the back of the press box at the old St. Louis Arena to practice hockey. But but the booth that Jack Buck used to uh, get me in at, at the uh, at Bush Stadium, when, when the Red Sox played there in 2004 in the World Series, I don't know if you gentlemen know this, but in the postseason, the assignment of booths changed. Um, home television goes to Fox TV. Visiting TV goes to ESPN International. Whatever ballpark you're in, home radio stays in home radio. Visiting radio goes to ESPN radio, and visiting radio is is uh, designated into a booth, an auxiliary booth further down the line. So we get to St. Louis. We're the visiting team, and uh, we were we were in a in an auxiliary booth, which turned out to be the booth I used to practice in as a kid, and here I am calling the 2004 World Series. Wow. Uh, in, in that booth and uh, seeing the Red Sox end 86 years of frustration and finally winning a world championship. That had to be uh, more than special uh, to yeah. go back, kind of reminisce, and, and have that culmination for Red Sox uh, nation as well. Yeah, and my only regret was that uh, the great Jack Buck was not uh, still around uh, to see it because he was a he was a big booster. I still keep in contact with uh, his son Joe, and another good friend of mine is Jim Nance. So I, I hear from those guys quite a bit. But uh, yeah, that was that was probably one of the biggest highlights of my life, being able to go back to my hometown and uh, get a World Series ring and, and call those games from uh, from the booth I used to practice in as a kid. Jerry, last one for me. Who 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 was your favorite athlete to cover? Was there one person that stood out for you that you just loved the interview, loved the cover, loved the just thought he was genuine? Who who would you say that would be for you? It it, it is it is so hard to, to pick one individual out. I mean, and Gordy at hockey and his sons and Gordon Labossier and Ted Taylor. I mean, in basketball, uh, Calvin Murphy, Rudy Tomjanovich, and in baseball. Uh, I mean, so many guys have been with three clubs, uh, uh, and in football, Warren Moon and Earl Campbell and some of the others. It'd be just too difficult uh, to name. I would say, though, again, as I said earlier, the most impressive athlete physically I've ever encountered was Muhammad Ali. I got to interview him before the Chuck Wepner fight. I got to spend 15 minutes with him. I even got him to, because uh, I struck up a friendship with Angelo Dundee, if you got time, I, I, I could tell you a real quick story of, uh, where Ali played a prank on one of our hockey players. Uh, I don't know if you have the time for it. Sure, of course. 
we had, we had a tough guy named Glenn Irwin who was a, who was a fighter. Well, the, I'm having dinner in the hotel in Cleveland. We're staying at the same hotel that uh, Ali was staying, and uh, I'm, I'm having dinner with one of our players in in the hotel restaurant. And uh, across the restaurant was Ali and his entourage. They're having dinner. This this tough guy Glenn Irwin comes into the uh, entrance of the restaurant, and there were some big pillars in the restaurant. He's standing behind a pillar, and he's trying to get a look at Ali. Now, after dinner, uh, Larry Lund, the player I'm having dinner with tonight, stopped by the bar. There's about 10 of our guys in there, including Glenn Irwin, the tough guy. And uh, I, I leave quickly to go back upstairs. And as I'm passing, we're staying at a Marriott. In those days, they had a game room. And Ali's in there playing pinball. Bundini Brown's in there. And Angelo Dundee is in there. And I stopped to see Angelo. I said, Angelo, I, I saw one of our players, you know, scoping out the champ. Would you mind... If if I brought him over and let him uh, let him meet the champion, he said, "No, nah, that's fine. Bring him in." So I go back, and one of the one of the things hockey players taught me was how to play pranks on somebody. And and uh, so I was going to rip Irwin a little bit. So I go to the bar, and there's eleven guys in there now. And I said to Glenn, "I said, hey Glenn, I saw you checking out the champ." And they knew I had time with Dundee and had met Ellie earlier in the week. And he says, no, nah, no, nah, I was just looking for somebody. He says, by the way, I told him what a good fighter you are. And he calls you a chump. And he, you know, he kind of sheepishly looks away. And I went to one of the guys. And now we're all aching him on. You can't let him call you a chump. you got to go meet him and, you know, just, you know, shake his hand. So I said, yeah, he's calling you a chump. He says, no hockey player can fight. So now we, we age him on and we're all going to go down and meet L.A. As we enter the room, uh, Angelo turns to L.A. and he says, hey, chump, here's that hockey player. And Ali turns around and throws a quick one-two combination and just comes within a hair of making contact with Irwin's chin. Irwin backs up against the wall, taps <laughs> him on the shoulder, and goes, nice meeting you. He didn't walk back. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it sounds just about everything we've heard about uh, the late Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali. Um, personality as big as the room, right? Yeah. And he's uh, talking about a month of a man. And he was, you know, he was... He was you know, not in his prime back then, but what an impressive athlete physically. Jerry, thanks so much for your time tonight. I know it's late on the East Coast. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's great to have a guest on of your caliber that's seen so much and, uh, of course, knew Gordie Howe personally from his days in Houston and, and saw his greatness on and off the ice. I'm happy to do it. Maybe we can do it again sometime. Take care. We'd love to. All right, that was Jerry Truppiano here on SoundCloud.com, the Brotherly Love Podcast. What an interesting figure uh, he is Johnny Mita. Haven't seen everything. I mean, the, when you ask him about the the athlete that maybe stands out the most, he named like 15 Hall of Famers. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know that he's worked with, he's come in contact uh, with. Just his resume. Yeah. I mean, when you sent me just you know the biography, I'm like, what else? What hasn't this guy done? Yeah. That, that was yeah. Where do you start? You. But you know, he he saw Gordy played with his two sons on the same line. It was the Howe line: Mark Howe, Marty Howe, Gordy Howe. Of course, Mark's in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, and he saw that uh, where Gordy Howe was in his mid mid forties. People still yeah. posting huge numbers in a well respected league, the World Hockey Association, winning back to back Avco Cup championships. I mean, those banners were still hanging three years ago up in Toyota Center where the Arrows played prior to relocating 
to Des Moines. You know, yeah. and that's that's we're talking about the mid seventies. There's tradition. There's and Jerry saw him firsthand. Uh, really good stuff. Unbelievable, actually. Really glad to have him on. All right, the program takes a big downward turn from here because we got to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins winning the Stanley Cup and Super Penguins fan, Super fan Walt. <laughs> we'll get his oh, two God. minutes. In the sun. We'll explain when we come back on SoundCloud.com. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. We are back. The Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. All right, the Pittsburgh Penguins Stanley Cup champions, John Mead. I wish I had a uh, crowd sound, effect sound of boo. Because it stinks. Stinks, John Mead. But they were the better team over the course of the series. Sharks, of course, since our last podcast, forced to Game 6, but the Pens won it all on enemy ice, taking Game 6 3-1, winning the series 4-2. Fourth cup for the Penguins all-time, second of the Crosby era, and Sidney Crosby named the Conn Smythe winner. Quickly, my thoughts on that, because there was some discussion about whether or not Sidney Crosby deserved the Conn Smythe. And if you think he did not deserve the Conn Smythe, you're insane. All you had to do was watch as this series moved along, or as the series, the playoff series moved along. Crosby elevated his play. He played a 200-foot game, as the coaches would say. Blocking shots, setting up his teammates, controlling the puck. Sid the Kid finished with 19 points in the playoffs and more than 20 minutes a night in time on ice. Sure, Phil Kessel had a few more goals and points. And you could argue that Kessel's line, the HBK line, was more consistent and dominant than Crosby's trail. But the fact remains that the leadership that Crosby showed, the way he controlled the play when he was on the ice, was really flat-out remarkable. I mean, he he put himself back in that best-in-the-world type of conversation. Not that he ever left the conversation, but as I talked about last podcast, guys like Taves, uh, Tavares even, Stamkos, Ovechkin, there's always Patrick Kane. There's guys that were kind of surpassing him, I felt, in the mainstream media as who's the best player right now in the NHL. Sidney Crosby changed all that this playoff year, I think. Did Chris Letang have a great playoff season? Yes, but it's rare for a defenseman to win the Conn Smythe unless they absolutely chew up a ton of minutes, put up a ton of points. In fact, only four defensemen, John Mita, have won the Conn Smythe since 2000 when Scott Stevens did it. Did Matt Murray in net have a phenomenal run? Yes, but he didn't face that many shots. The Penguins controlled puck. They won the puck possession war most games. So, yes, Murray was good. His numbers were spectacular, but he wasn't forced to make 35, 40 saves on a nightly basis in May and June. It takes a full team effort to win the Cup, to win 16 games when it's all on the line, but it has to start with the commitment and leadership from your top-end players, and that's what Crosby provided the Pens. Sidney Crosby played like the world's best player in the spring when it matters most, jamming it right down all the haters' throats, myself included, the Conn Smythe was well-deserved for number 87, and it absolutely pains me to say it. Yeah. Now, this series to watch was very painful. Uh, 
to the fact that we predicted the Sharks to win the series. Yeah, yeah. Well, we forget when when we get predictions wrong, John Mina. We don't rehash them. No, well, that's true. We can own it, buddy. We can own it. I'm not. We can own it. it, We can own it. And you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, but the bottom line is, you're right. They were the better team. They played better. They got off the better starts. It it was just like they dominated. Even though the Sharks were able to, to pull two games in this series. Those games that they pulled, I mean, Pittsburgh was dominating the entire way, and it just made me want to throw up. But Ali Crow, they were the best team going. And and at the end of the season, like I said on one of our other podcasts, like going into to the playoffs, they were red hot. The last you know two months of the season, they were going in on fire, and they dealt with some crazy injuries, Malkin going down for a long period of time, and they didn't skip a beat. So. I guess congratulations, though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, about a week ago, Penguins were up by, I think, just one game to none. Um, Walt, who we both know, many of you listening probably don't, he called me because he was looking for money. He he invests money. I don't know what he does. I just give him money, and, and I get insurance. Um, he called to give me crap about listening to our prediction of games Sharks winning in six, both of us saying that. Uh, actually, I think he, he called for money, but then he admitted he listened to the podcast, which I didn't know he did. I said, look, if the Penguins win the series, you can have your two minutes in the sun, uh, you, you know, your, your 15 minutes of fame. If they lose, you got to eat crow. Well, here we go. Then I'm doing this live on air. It's fine. Uh, let's see here. Uh, here we go. I should give out his number. All right, there we go. <laughs> if anybody wants Walt's number, let us know. Nobody does. <laughs> Let's see if he answers. Or if we're looking for an insurance man. <laughs> this is the biggest moment of his life. He should answer. Why is this yeah. thing not ringing? Oh, God. Walt? Well, we tried, Walt. Oh, there we go. Ah, there we go. What? Oh, see, that was a user error. Hang on, let's try this again. Uh, this is going well. Oh my God, I'm up the police on that guy. How <laughs> are you calling? Imagine getting that when you need to get an emergency picture. <sighs> this is where everybody just clicks off SoundCloud.com and they say I've had enough. Uh, you're probably right, which is fine. It is fine. fine. We, we, we don't want to listen to Walt. We just, we got to make good on our promises. That's all. At least that creepy guy's not back yet. What the heck? We're sorry. We're sorry. Will you please try to call again? All right. Hang on. Let's try that. Is Walt giving you the wrong number? No, man. I mean, I, I'm i using the number I got in my cell. He's texting me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he didn't pay his you phone bill. Century link. He, he has to dial a one. You better text him. Have him call in. <laughs> Last try. And then he's calling us. I guess I didn't have to do all the beeping on the on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. I'm fine for rescheduling this too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, is this uh, Walt the super fan? This is him. All right, this is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita, nice to talk to you. You're on SoundCloud.com. It's not live. Watch your language. And I am looking at a clock. You have about 90 seconds to praise your penguins. Go. Praise my penguins. Man, I don't know. I think we had a uh, surprisingly good year. I think uh, it snuck up on us. I think that um, 
I think we, we, we should have had more of these, actually, in the past. Uh, Agreed. Short. It's kind of embarrassing that Crosby only has two cups, but continue. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those at the hands of uh, the West Side, and um, it was probably a good thing that we didn't run into you guys. We play hockey out there on the ice, and instead of boxing matches and things like that, and we bode well <laughs> in those circumstances. Uh, we bode better in those circumstances. Let's just put it that way. And, Did you buy uh, a couple of rounds of shots for your boy, Crystal Letang? Well, came up big in that game, buddy. Your you guy. know what? There, there were two things that I wanted. There was one thing that I wanted to happen that night, and there was one thing that I did not want to happen that night. Both, one of the, both of them occurred. One of them was obviously to win. The second was not to have Crystal Letang have that winning goal. You've never wanted – I've never wanted the Sharks to score one more goal so that someone else could get that – series clinching that Stanley Cup clinching goal but uh it didn't work out and uh, I'll take the cards that were dealt to me and um I've never had so many uh pictures of Chris Letang sent to me and uh, <laughs> 58 sent did you to make me the parade Walt I did didn't make the parade, parade. I was down All there 400,000 strong yeah right? was, uh, 400,000 people nice. I don't know what the actual head count was but there were a lot of people there and uh, everyone was excited. I didn't stay for the speeches after, uh, but I did go. I did see the uh, uh, the cars going by and the players, and um, it was uh, it was exciting. Everyone's been was really excited about what's what's been going on. Here. Well, that's a news flash, Walt. They were excited. What message yeah. do you have for Flyers fans? <laughs> what message do I have for Flyers fans? Yes, you're running out of time, by the way. You know, I got a message for what. You can you can have Justin Goodman as a fan. That's one. Message. I think I got him as a fan. Since he congratulated the Pittsburgh Penguins fan. My God, I have I'll I have a that. I have a uh, I have an incriminating picture of Justin. Uh, he came in secretly for um, the uh, the not the Stanley Cup round, but the round uh, the Tampa Bay round. He came in uh, as a secret. He showed up down at uh, my bar, smoking Joe's before the game. Uh, unannounced, and that was the one game we lost. And um, he drove in and drove right out. But uh, I think we got him. I think we got him. I think that uh, he's going to be a lifer, and I think he understands now. And uh, oh, God. I think that it, uh, my message to Flyers fans is with this. Um, uh, actually, I got a better last year that whatever um, – uh, you know, John Mita, uh, one thing I've always wanted to do, and I've actually had the opportunity to do it in sports radio, is call yeah. somebody a dope like Howard Eskin and hang up on him. So, Walt, you're a dope. And that was it. That was Walt, super fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, Joe. Well done. Suck it, Walter. Uh, Suck it. And that is your anti-cold fire. Well done, well done, well done. Boob of the day right there. We don't have any sponsors, dude. We don't have any sponsors yet. And yeah. I mean yet. Um, all right, brother. Yeah. Let's wrap things up. Uh, Jeez, thanks, you Jerry. Think Tr- would have been a little prepared. Oh, he that? said he hey, he said he knew exactly what he wanted to say. And to think that guy's a salesman. Uncle. All right. Uh, our thanks to Jerry Truppiano for joining us, longtime national sportscaster. And uh, final thoughts, Johnny Mita, NBA Finals, Game NBA Six. Finals, what do you got? And Kyrie Irving and LeBron, Kyrie Irving's performance in Game 5 was magical. But I think Draymond Green, man, he's going to come back with vengeance. And I think the Golden State Warriors are going to find a way to close these boys out in six. Tough injury for them. 
losing Andrew Bogut for the remainder of the playoffs with a knee injury. But I think the, the Golden State Warriors shoot out the lights. And unless LeBron and Kyrie each have 35 points again, I think they'll be repeating as NBA champions, which hasn't been done in a very long time. All right. Sorry for the lengthy podcast to all of our ardent supporters. Appreciate you tuning in, checking us out on SoundCloud.com. And uh, you can just, you know, skip over the wall part. Yeah, it'll be much smarter <laughs> for it. All right. Uh, we'll get up with you in a couple of weeks at the most. SoundCloud.com. For Johnny Meade, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Next time, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.